Welcome back, all of you millions and millions of listeners out there, uh, to the Mental Pop Podcast, brought to you by Primordial Productions, traveling across multiple wavelengths, frequencies, and dimensions across all time and space. My name is Mad, and I'll be your host for today's episode. Please be sure to visit the new www.mentalpop.space for an archive of all our previous episodes of this podcast, as well as a new blog. I'm updating uh, every few days over there, and there are various ways to send me a message over there as well, including voicemail messages if you click on the microphone icon. Uh, So please stop by and say hello. Likewise, if you're feeling generous and you want to support this endeavor, I hope you'll check out my new website for original art at geneticmemory.online where you'll find uh, over 300 pieces of my original art that's available for purchase. So if you appreciate this podcast, go drop a line at mentalpop.space or my art website at geneticmemory.online. Likewise, I hope you'll share these episodes with people whom you think might also appreciate them. And last but not least, you can find me at mentalpop31 on Facebook, as well as our group for private discussion called Conspiracult. And technically, this is the Halloween episode of Mental Pop. Uh, though we're not really going to be talking about anything horror-related today, at least not horror in terms of fiction, uh, but unfortunately the horrific non-fiction things that are going on in our world right now. Uh, but I encourage you to go back and listen to parts 1 through 4 of a recent series in which we covered 6,000 years of supernatural horror in mythology and history, uh, going back 6,000 years, and how this ties into the emerging genre of horror fiction in the 18th century uh, through the 21st centuries, with literature, film, radio, and much more. So if you want a dose of Halloween-themed infotainment, uh, please check out my four-part series, which ran about six hours, and it's nothing but supernatural horror throughout history. And in honor of this very special day, my favorite holiday, I'm watching The Monster Club, starring Vincent Price. Uh, It's on in the background as I record today's episode. And we finally got a break from the rain for at least one day in October, thankfully, It's rained this whole damn month, and uh, it's turning out to be a very lovely Halloween day out there. So I hope all of you are out there enjoying the sunshine uh, while I'm stuck in the dungeon recording yet another episode of this damn podcast. All right, folks, in regards to previous episodes of this podcast, uh, I also highly encourage you to go back and check out the last episode, uh, which was episode four of Mental Pop, as we discussed the depressing and heinous facts and figures regarding the uh, statistics according to UN estimates and elsewhere. There are believed to be about upwards of 30 million people on this planet who are slaves in human trafficking and sex trafficking situations across the globe, with one in four of them being children, or about 7.5 million kids around the globe who are trapped in human trafficking rings. And we also mentioned last episode that according to a uh, 2019 report, the top three countries where human trafficking was noted as taking place uh, most prevalently was the United States, Mexico, and the Philippines, and that globally the estimated revenue generated by human trafficking was about $150 billion annually. And that's not a conspiracy. Those are official facts and figures provided by the UN and other governmental agencies, as well as information and data collected uh, by non-for-profit agencies devoted to fighting human trafficking. The conspiracy part comes in the fact that there's a virtual media blackout regarding this subject. I'm just going to use this as an ex- example here, and this isn't signaling uh, out of group for any purpose other than to make a point today. 
I'm not meaning this to be derogatory in any way. Uh, but there are an estimated 1.5, uh, upwards of 1.5 to 2 million transsexual people in the United States. And this group has dozens of television shows and movies devoted to the trans community and who are an endless talking point in political circles, yet they can still complain of being marginalized and treated unjustly and demanding more media attention. The trans community in the United States, which consists of an estimated 1.5 million people, has dozens of TV shows, uh, movies, magazines devoted to the trans lifestyle and are always brought up as a political issue, yet they still complain of being marginalized and ignored while demanding uh, new bills and laws be passed in order to protect and to sponsor them. But at the same time, we have 30 million slaves in sex trafficking situations across the globe, with 7.5 million of them being children, with the U.S. noted as being a prime hub for human trafficking, and it being a $150 billion global industry. Human trafficking receives almost no media coverage whatsoever, and the topic is virtually blacked out of any mainstream news coverage and completely ignored. <clears throat> if they exposed and pushed the information of uh, human trafficking uh, just as intensely as they push topics of trans rights and COVID hype, maybe there wouldn't be 30 million slaves on the planet right now who are being bought and sold to the highest bidder. Where is the integrity of the media? And why is this topic not being reported on a daily basis? The conspiracy part comes in the fact that many people are questioning this lack of media coverage and what powerful people it might be trying to protect and what information it might be trying to hide. But anyway, just wanted to briefly mention this topic and encourage you to go back, listen to the last episode of this broadcast, which was devoted to human trafficking. Possibly, probably the most important episode I've ever done, as well as the topics of Epstein, Trump, the Vatican, Israel, and more. In my opinion, it was an important episode. I hope more people will give it a listen, consider the implications and the business ramifications of human trafficking around the world. All right, then. Where do we want to start off in today's episode? What topic are we going to... Let's just spin the roulette wheel here. And where did we land? I've got a few pieces of news and information I want to share with you today. Um, I guess I'll get something out of the way here to start the program, which comes with an article from Business Insider from this week. Uh, title is, Some Americans Were Primed for Vaccine Skepticism After Decades of Mistrust in Big Pharma. Claims of mismanagement and greed in the pharmaceutical industry may have contributed to vaccine hesitancy. Of Americans who said they would definitely not get a COVID-19 vaccine, 20% say they trust drug companies, according to KFF. Only 20% trust drug companies, uh, according to KFF. Uh, pharma companies are now lobbying against waiving intellectual property protections for COVID-19 vaccines. Ten months after the world's first COVID-19 vaccine received an emergency green light for use, the U.S. is still reeling from COVID cases amongst mostly unvaccinated Americans, of course. Uh -huh. Among Americans who said in a recent survey that they will definitely not get a COVID-19 vaccine, only 20% said they trust pharmaceutical companies to provide reliable information, according to Ashley Kurtzinger, the Associate Director of Public Opinion and Survey Research at the Kaiser Family Foundation. Pharmaceutical companies, large and small, 
are responsible for advancements in medical treatments that have helped cure diseases, relieve chronic pain, and save lives. Several developed COVID-19 vaccines that are highly effective at preventing severe disease. Uh, But publicized claims of mismanagement and greed among some of the world's largest pharmaceutical companies, collectively known as Big Pharma, have eroded public trust and in turn have contributed to vaccine hesitancy among some Americans, experts uh, told Insider. In the 1950s, after World War II, the drug industry was highly respected. They saved hundreds of thousands of lives. General Posner, investigative journalist and the author of Pharma, Greed, Lies, and the Poisoning of America, said in an interview, they lost that over the decades of greed and mismanagement. Now, as some pharmaceutical companies lobby to keep their COVID-19 vaccine formula out of the hands of manufacturers in low-income countries, thereby maximizing profits from this life-saving shot, some Americans uh, may develop a renewed distrust of Big Pharma, Posner said. Pharmaceutical companies are behaving as if they have absolutely no responsibility beyond maximizing the return on investment. Uh, Tom Frieden, an infectious disease expert and a former head of the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, told the New York Times. Skepticism of Big Pharma has been decades in the making. Uh, American uh, trust in Big Pharma reached a peak in the early to mid-20th century when the pharmaceutical industry ushered in life-saving treatments like penicillin and vaccines. As Patrick Radden Keith reports in his book, Empire of Pain, public trust uh, started to erode, however, uh, with the invention and widespread adoption of addictive drugs, Keith reported, uh, to Gallup, uh, whose polling has placed pharmaceutical companies as America's least-liked industry for the past two decades. Pharmaceutical companies are America's least liked industry for the past two decades. Uh, This attributes to public dislike to the company's high drug prices, tremendous lobbying budgets, and their role in the opioid epidemic. Over the past 50 years, lawsuits began piling up against pharmaceutical companies, including those that developed COVID-19 vaccines. In 2013, Johnson & Johnson settled a federal investigation involving marketing fraud of several drugs, including one to treat dementia patients. Uh, Reuters reported in 2018 that small amounts of asbestos were found in the company's baby powder between the early 1970s and the early uh, 2000s. Uh, The report claimed that the company failed to disclose that information, which Johnson & Johnson has repeatedly denied. The company is facing thousands of lawsuits alleging that the talc-based products caused cancer and mesothelioma. Last year, uh, 46 U.S. states and 26 drug makers, including Pfizer, over allegations of conspiring to drive up drug prices, uh, Pfizer told Reuters uh, the company did not behave in any unlawful conduct. In 2009, Pfizer, which produced the first FDA-approved COVID vaccine, paid the second-largest health care fraud settlement in U.S. history to settle accusations and mis- of misleading advertisements of an anti-inflammatory drug. Uh, when asked to comment on this article, a Pfizer spokesperson told Insider, the company cannot speculate why some remain vaccine-hesitant, but vaccination remains one of the best tools we have to protect lives and work to achieve herd immunity. The anti-vaccine movement in the U.S., uh, which gains momentum in the early 2000s, has tried to use drug industry scandals to discourage parents from inoculating their children. According to Dr. Stuart Lyman, the owner of Lyman uh, Biopharma Consulting LLC and a vaccine advocate Uh, in the uh, mid-2010s, 
measles in children began resurfacing, uh, despite the CDC having declared measles as eliminated from the U.S. in 2000. Some anti-vaccine believers fought for personal exemptions for vaccine mandates during local measles outbreaks. Uh, others within the movement said not to trust the pharmaceutical company Merck, uh, which vax with vaccines because of a whistleblower complaint claiming that the company uh, company overstated the effectiveness of the shot. Merrick did not respond to insiders' request for comment. Big Pharma's business model drives mistrust among vaccine skeptics. Uh, Kersinger told Insider, anecdotal data from Kaiser suggests some Americans are hesitant about the COVID-19 vaccine due to how pharmaceutical industries profit from shots, despite the shots being rigorously tested by scientists before given to the public and built on decades of research. <clears throat> vaccine makers have made billions and billions in revenue uh, by selling the shots to countries and soaring pharmaceutical stocks, uh, stocks have minted a class of vaccine billionaires. Some vaccine-hesitant Americans are talking about a distrust of pharma because they think they're mostly concerned about profits rather than safety, Kersinger said. The price of the life-saving hormone insulin, for example, has skyrocketed in the past decade, costing diabetes patients around $300 for a 10-millimeter vial, up to about 90, uh, from about $93 in 2019. Many low-income Americans have resorted to rationing insulin to make it last longer, and lawmakers are pressuring drug companies to reduce their costs. Still, pharma companies are currently lobbying President Joe Biden to prevent him from waiving intellectual property protections for COVID-19 vaccines, thereby keeping manufacturers in poor countries from making life-saving shots for vulnerable populations. And while some vaccine makers like Johnson & Johnson have sold COVID-19 vaccines at cost, others, including Pfizer and Moderna, have sold them for a huge profit. And that's the end of the article. And the people out there uh, who are like, but the vaccine is free. They're doing it as a humanitarian effort. It doesn't cost nothing. Folks, our taxpayer dollars are what is paying for all this. Nothing is free. And I think there's more to vaccine hesitancy uh, than just mistrust of the pharmaceutical industry. But it's nice to see a mainstream news article actually logically addressing the genuine reasons and concerns that people would have to distrust uh, Big Pharma. And when you really dig into this topic, uh, such as I did a few episodes and we had a two and a half hour special on nothing but COVID-19, we see that this isn't just a concern of ethics violations and bribery within the uh, pharmaceutical industry, but how this influence and manipulation also stretches not only into organizations like the CDC and the FDA, uh, but also just average doctors, scientists, and uh, medical specialists across the world who are given large sums of money to push new prescription drugs and vaccines uh, for nothing more than the profits of the pharmaceutical industry. Uh, the pharmaceutical industry annually uh, makes about $1.5 trillion in revenue, and uh, 2020 and 2021 have been record-breaking profits across the board for big pharma companies like Pfizer and Moderna, and anyone specially in COVID vaccines or test kits. It's a $1.5 trillion plus a year industry that spends $30 billion a year on advertisements and payouts to doctors to endorse and push new products and tens of millions more in political lobbying. The pharmaceutical industry on whole is the biggest media advertiser and the biggest political lobbyist in the world. And half of that $1.5 trillion uh, pharmaceutical profit comes just from the United States and Canada. Nearly half of all pharmaceutical sales, as well as uh, pharmaceutical advertisements and political lobbying, 
takes place in the United States and Canada. And there are dozens and dozens of reasons why people would question the ethical integrity and financial motivations, uh, not only of the pharmaceutical industry, but how this also stretches into organizations such as the CDC and the FDA and the World Health Organization. And not only that, but why tens, if not hundreds of millions of dollars are spent annually by the pharmaceutical industry on political lobbying and what some might consider bribery of doctors and healthcare specialists to endorse and recommend their products to patients. And why $30 billion a year is spent annually on media advertisements, making pharmaceuticals the largest commercial sponsor on the planet. There's ample reason why some people would be suspicious of all these facts in regards to uh, pharma manipulating evidence or being completely devoted to profits over people. And this isn't a conspiracy either. Uh, but a history of evidences and cover-ups, which should make any rational person take pause and ask some questions about what the hell is actually going on. And a few quick notes of interest to mention uh, before we close this segment out today. According to a New York Times article from this week, the CDC have now announced that mental illness, depression, and schizophrenia are now classified as high risk for extra cases of COVID hospitalization and deaths. So they are stating that some 85% of the U.S. population should be eligible for booster shots. Let me repeat that. The CDC is now saying that mental illness, depression, and schizophrenia puts people at higher risk of COVID hospitalization and death. So they feel that some 85% of the U.S. population should be eligible for booster shots. I don't know what's more crazy about that statement. That mental illness and depression puts people more at risk from COVID or that the CDC estimates that 85% of the U.S. population suffers from mental illness and depression and needs a booster shot. Also this week, it was supposedly found that a common antidepressant used to treat obsessive compulsive disorder uh, supposedly cuts down COVID hospitalizations by one-third. Why the hell uh, would an antidepressant used to treat obsessive compulsive disorder dramatically reduce COVID hospitalizations? It makes no damn sense. Yet trust the science! And supposedly, an article this week from Bloomberg states that according to a one-year-long study from the UK, the vaccinated are just as infectious and carry just as much of a viral load as the unvaccinated. Again, according to this year-long study, uh, the vaccinated uh, put people just as much at risk as the unvaccinated and carry just as much of a viral load of COVID. Yet say, hasn't the media been pushing the idea that the vaccinated are less infectious uh, for the past month or two now? And what were they basing that information on? They were basing it on a study that had not been peer-reviewed, and had not been officially endorsed by the CDC yet, yet the mainstream media and politicians just wanted to believe it. And they wanted you to believe it, that the vaccinated were less infectious than the vaccinated, uh, than the unvaccinated, excuse me. Uh, But it was based on no science whatsoever. They were just repeating that because it served their narrative to go get uh, vaccinated, you'll be less infectious. Yet this year-long study from the UK states just the opposite, and that is the fact that the vaccinated and the unvaccinated are equally as infectious and have equal ability to spread COVID. Also this week, the CDC has made the proclamation that those uh, who are vaccinated are uh, better off than those who have been previously infected and have natural immunity. Okay, all right. Yeah, this is despite the fact that a study out of Israel that ran from January to August of 2021 found just the opposite to be true. And not only did the study, which was based on uh, 32,000 people, find that natural immunity was better than two doses of either Pfizer or uh, Moderna vaccines, 
they found out that those who had the vaccine alone were 27 times more likely to get sick from COVID and eight times more likely to end up in the hospital. The vaccinated with two doses were 20, uh, 27 times more likely to get sick with COVID and eight times more likely to be hospitalized than those who had just previously been infected with COVID and had developed natural immunity. Conflicting goddamn reports everywhere you look. Who do we trust? The CDC, who has a long history of bribery from Big Pharma, or do we trust the study out of Israel? Now, I don't trust either one of them, but obviously somebody is lying or very bad at their job. And to say that the vaccinated were 28 times uh, more likely to get sick than those who had had natural immunity, that's a huge margin there. So again, who's lying? As far as I can tell, the CDC has been lying a whole lot. And if not outright lying, uh, then there are at least a ton of conflicting reports coming from other reputable medical sources and studies, such as the one from Israel that I just mentioned. And oh yeah, another recent report states the, the vaccinated are less likely to die from all causes than the unvaccinated. Yep, that's a real supposed news article, that vaccinated people are dying less from all causes than those who are unvaccinated. Now, who are they trying to kid with these types of BS articles? Conflicting report after conflicting report after conflicting report in which we're told to only follow what the CDC is putting out. And now we keep hearing reports that COVID is the leading cause of death for police officers in the United States. So they must all get vaccinated or lose their jobs. Tens of thousands of police officers are standing up against vaccine mandates across the country, uh, led up, thankfully, uh, by the police unions. And they say, oh, COVID is killing so many cops. But guess how many cops have supposedly, and I say supposedly, died from COVID over the past 20 months? Under 500. Under 500 deaths. But guess what? There are over 1 million people who work as safety officers in the U.S. with over 900,000 full-time law enforcement employees and nearly 100,000 part-time employees. So, okay, supposedly 500 police deaths due to COVID in almost two years. Yet how many deaths would it take to reach even 1% of the total police officers in the United States. To reach 1%, it would be 10,000. You would need 10,000 deaths to even hit 1% of the total uh, police force in the United States. So something that has killed far less than 1% of police officers is being used to mandate an experimental vaccine to over 1 million cops across the United States, or they're going to lose their jobs. This is the same uh, for firefighters and teachers. Uh, they want to vaccinate millions and billions of people, and they already have, for something that has a 98% survival rate and has killed far, far less than 1% of any total population. And now they want to jab tens of millions of kids in the United States when there have been less than 500 supposed deaths of children under the age of 18 in nearly two years due to COVID. The media and politicians can shove this follow the science up their asses. Because I've seen too many times now, such as with the previous two articles I just mentioned, that they just keep making shit up and using whatever fits the narrative that vaccinated are less infectious and that the unvaccinated are to blame for everything. And guess what again? Soon you're going to need three shots to be considered fully vaccinated. You're going to need two shots and the booster. And the CDC is currently trying to address those who are immunocompromised, saying that they need four shots. Give them an inch, and they're not only going to take it a mile, they're going to take it around the world in 80 days. 
These ghouls have absolutely no shame and are no longer even trying to make sense with the information that they're forcing down our throats 24-7, seven days a week, 24 hours a day across every mainstream news station. Half the information we get these days is complete and utter nonsense. It is constantly contradicting itself. I believe in science, and I believe in scientific method and scientific evidence. But the vast majority of trust the science in regards to COVID is a fucking joke. And pardon my language today, folks, uh, but this show isn't politically correct. If you haven't been able to figure that out yet. And I'm getting more and more pissed off uh, every day with this conflicting information. Uh, Now, moving forward here, since President Biden met with Pope Francis this week, let's discuss something uh, that I think you'll find very interesting. And that is in regards to the One World Religion Headquarters that is set to open in 2022 and which follows the belief system of Chrislam or Christianity, Judaism and Islam. And this is a topic that has gotten absolutely no mainstream news coverage in the United States. And most of the available reports come from foreign news agencies. Uh, But let's address this. And I apologize, I'm going to mispronounce, I'm probably going to butcher some of these names today. Uh, The push for the One World Religion Headquarters, or the One World Religion Church, stems from a meeting with Pope Francis in February of 2019. According to The Guardian, in an article from early 2019, stating a historic interfaith covenant was signed in the Middle East on Monday, and the mainstream media in the United States has absolutely uh, been silent about it. Uh, Sheikh Ahmad El-Tayeb is considered to be the most important imam in Sunni Islam, and he arrived at the signing uh, ceremony in Abu Dhabi with Pope Francis, hand-in-hand, and a symbol of interfaith brotherhood. But this wasn't just a ceremony for Catholics and Muslims. The signing of this covenant was done in front of a global audience of religious leaders from Christianity, Islam, Judaism, and other faiths. Uh, So back in early 2019, the Pope uh, has traveled to Abu Dhabi, uh, where he met with uh, Sunni Muslim leader Sheikh Ahmad El-Tayeb. There, the two men signed a global peace covenant called the Document on Human Fraternity for World Peace. From that covenant, the Higher Committee of Human Fraternity was created to implement this religious peace treaty. Now, that committee has announced that there will be a fancy new headquarters for this endeavor, the shiny new center of global Chrislam, opening in 2022. This from the Times of Israel, uh, the announcement of the Abrahamic family house on the Sadiat Island in Abu Dhabi, Follows a visit by Pope Francis to the UAE in February, uh, United Arab Emirates in February, the first by a pope uh, to the Arabian Peninsula. During the trip, the pope signed a joint declaration with the Grand Imam of Al-Hazar, Dr. Ahmad El-Tayyib, that called for religious tolerance and dialogue. An interfaith council to oversee projects advancing tolerance was formed as a result of this declaration and named the Higher Committee uh, Committee of Human Fraternity. The Abrahamic Family House is its first initiative. And this goes hand in hand with what occurred in August of 2020 under the Trump administration. Uh, The Abraham Accords uh, were a joint statement between the State of Israel, the United Arab Emirates, and the United States of America. 
reached on August 13, 2020. Subsequently, the term was used to refer collectively to agreements between Israel and the United Arab Emirates, uh, the Israel-United Arab Emirates Normalization Agreement, um, the Bahrain-Israel Normalization Agreement. The Abraham Accords were signed by the Emirate Foreign Minister Abdul bin Zayed al-Nahyan, uh, the Bahrain uh, Foreign Minister Abdulatif bin Rashid al-Zayani, Israel Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, finally a name I can pronounce, and U.S. President Donald Trump. On September 15, 2020, at the South Lawn of the White House in Washington, D.C., the accords were negotiated by Jared Kushner and Avi Berkowitz. The agreement with the UAE was officially titled the Abraham Accords Peace Agreement, Treaty of Peace, Diplomatic Relations, and Full Normalization between the United Arab Emirates and the State of Israel. The agreement between uh, Bahrain and Israel was officially titled the Abraham Accords, Declaration of Peace, Cooperation, and Constructive Diplomatic and Friendly Relations, and was announced by the United States on September 11, 2020. The accords are named after Abraham to emphasize the shared origin of belief between Judaism and Islam, both of which are Abrahamic religions that strictly espouse a monotheistic worship of the God of Abraham. Now, this all sounds very poetically worded, doesn't it? Religious tolerance and world peace and an end to war and an end to terrorism and unity between Catholics and Christians and Hebrew and Muslim faiths. And Pope Francis is heading up the creation of the One World Religion Church, which serves both uh, all three as a synagogue, a church, and a mosque, and that celebrates Judaism, Catholicism, and Islam, uh, unified under the religious banner of Chrislam. Christianity and Islam. Now, you'd want to believe that this is all a very positive thing, religious unity and tolerance, but the fundamentalist Christians and old-school end-times religious prophecy groups uh, they're, of course, having a field day with the implications of all this. Uh, of course, the idea of a one-world religion or a false religion headed up by the Antichrist has long been one of the themes of the biblical revelation and various end-times scenarios. Revelation 17 speaks of a great prostitute or a great harlot that is generally understood as a metaphor for a false religion that will exist during the tribulation period. Many have debated the identity of this religion, with some arguing the Roman Catholic Church, Islam, or another large religious movement will be in the end times one world religion. And what we're seeing here, indeed, is the implementation of a new religion combining Judaism, Catholicism, and Islam, and with the boldness to call itself the one world religion church. Many fundamentalist Christians and believers in the biblical end of days uh, think that it's likely that the false religion of the last days will consist of an inclusive religion that allows for pluralistic uh, view of God. And this would include even liberal monotheistic groups uh, that see all religions as one and are willing to worship the Antichrist in the last days. Further, this false end times religion is stated to include uh, sexual immorality, as stated in Revelation uh, 17.2. Ultimately, this, the deception uh, during the time will be so great that Jesus taught, quote, for the false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect, Matthew 24, 24. And of course, when considering the establishment of the one world religion church, it's not such a big jump to entertain the ideas of the new world order 
and one world religion, one world currency, one world government, uh, which has been intricately tied with so-called quote-unquote conspiracy theories of the New World Order for decades now. A one world power and authority structured in a way similar to the UN or the United Nations, which tells us it has our best interests in mind. It is only trying to bring peace by issuing in a one world currency, most likely to be a cashless society with a digital currency or credit system, a one world government structured like the UN, and a one world religion or ideology of inclusiveness, such as being established right now with Pope Francis's one world religion church. <clears throat> Folks, when we look around at the world today in 2021, and what do we see? Indeed, we see many attempts <clears throat> at a strictly digital system of currency. If not now, at least within the next decade. And we do see more and more where RFID or other methods of microchipping is becoming promoted more and more as a way to store uh, all of our financial information and our personal information and I, our identity in a chip in the palm of our hand. Our digital passports, so to speak. What do we see right now with the vaccine passports? It's not hard at all to see why many people think we're living in the end times. At least the end times is described uh, not only by Christianity, uh, but by many mainstream world religions. The end of an age and the beginning of a new era. And here's where it's difficult for me, y'all, because I'm not personally uh, coming from this religious perspective or being dogmatic. Personally, I want inclusion and unity and peace and harmony between not only religions and spiritual groups, but between nations and all people. I can see the writing on the wall, and I fully understand where the believers of end-time prophecies are coming from. But I'm also not looking at it from the fundamentalist angle of what might be considered Christian extremism. I do believe religions should be compatible, and tolerance should be the order of the day, whether you're Muslim or Hindu or Buddhist or Catholic or whatever. As human beings, we have far more similarities than differences. We should highlight our similarities instead of our differences. And in the year 2021, there should be no room for religious extremism or intolerance. Live and let live. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Judge lest ye not be judged. And don't be throwing stones in glass houses. And while we're at it, the teapot needs to stop calling the kettle black. <laughs> Believe what you want. Have faith in what you want. But if your interpretation of your religion breeds intolerance and the smug judgment that if everyone doesn't see it the same way you do, they are condemned to an eternal hell and torment, well, you really might want to ask yourself some deep questions and do some deep soul-searching as to your belief system. And I'm not singling out Christianity there. Uh, there are many flaws and uh, really all kinds of terrible parts to every world religion that has created a whole lot of atheists. And I can understand why. Religious intolerance and persecution and crusades has resulted in millions upon millions of deaths over the entire course of human history. Ultimately, I guess what I really want to convey here is that I believe that if uh, we as individuals, and thus we as a society or as a human race, uh, we write our own destiny and we write our own story. We don't just have to follow along with these end times prophecies and believe that the Bible or any religious text should be used as proof that we are in the revelation and at the end of the world. We must move away from that dogma and that superstition. In my opinion, we must move away from ritual too. Because to me, it also breeds more superstition. And again, to each their own. Attend Mass. 
meditate at your shrine. Hail Mary, bow before Allah, or whatever feels right to you and seems logical to you. That is your freedom to believe and explore your inner self as much as you want. Explore your connection to the cosmic consciousness. Or if you're an atheist and believe it's all bullshit, that's completely your freedom to do so as well. We just must step away from judgment or trying to convert people. And ironically, I've had more atheists try to convert me than I have Christians over the years. Uh, the fact that atheism has pretty much become its own religion with its own group of zealots is uh, very ironic. Do I trust the motives of the one world religion church? Hell no. I absolutely do not trust the new world religion church headed up by the Vatican and Israel and the Muslim Brotherhood. Uh, do I believe there is a new world order great reset going on? Yep. Yeah, I absolutely do believe that. I believe we're witnessing globalism blatantly taking place before our eyes. And the media doing everything within its power to manipulate information, censor information, and outright lie in order to protect their corporate masters. But let's not fall into the trap that this is all biblical prophecy and there's nothing we can do about it. And what is revelation anyway? Why, that means awakening, doesn't it? The revelation means to become aware or to be revealed. And what is the apocalypse? An apocalypse is an ancient Greek word literally meaning from cover. An apocalypse means a disclosure or revelation of great knowledge. In religious concepts, an apocalypse usually discloses something very important that was hidden or provides a vision of heavenly secrets uh, that can make sense of our earthly realities. If both revelation and apocalypse are terms uh, which basically equate to wake up, must we see that as a bad thing? Isis unveiled the new age dawn of Aquarius. I just want to say that I firmly believe uh, that we are the co-authors of this path of life, and not just for our individual selves, but humanity at large. We are, each and every one of us, empowered as the facilitators of our own creative and spiritual evolution, as well as our own intellectual development. We all have a deep investment in this reality, and our voice has more power, and we are stronger than we realize. We are co-authors, not merely players following the script. And it has been stated over and over and over again that in the age of information, ignorance is a choice. Up next, an article from the Washington Examiner from last week, which is fitting since we're fast approaching the 58th anniversary of the JFK assassination. The article states Biden delays release of JFK assassination files. And to be noted, uh, Biden is also only the second Catholic president after JFK, though Biden also declares himself a devout Zionist. President Joe Biden ordered yet another delay in the release of secret files related to the assassination of President John F. Kennedy, yet to see the light of day more than 50 years after his death. A White House memo signed by Biden said, temporary continued postponement is necessary to protect against identifiable harm to the military defense, intelligence operations, law enforcement, or the conduct of foreign relations that is, such, is of such gravity that it outweighs public interest in immediate disclosure. 
The order comes in response to the archivist, uh, archivist of the United States uh, recommending the president temporarily certify the continued withholding of all the information certified in 2018 and direct two public releases of the information that has ultimately been determined to be appropriate for release to the public. Uh, so they, they want to release what's appropriate uh, to release to the public, uh, but they believe that there'll be unidentifiable harm to the military defense, intelligence operation, law enforcement, uh, the conduct of foreign relations, uh, that the information contained in these documents is of such gravity that it outweighs the public interest in immediate disclosure. Um, <clears throat> Former President Donald Trump ordered in 2018 that documentation still under wraps uh, stay redacted uh, for national security reasons uh, with a deadline of October 26, uh, 2021. His administration said the decision was made at the behest of the intelligence community. This time around, delays associated with the coronavirus pandemic were to blame for the recommendation uh, to put off the release. So now they're blaming uh, COVID for why they can't release uh, the secret JFK files. Uh, David Farino uh, Ferrero, the archivist of the United States, reported, uh, unfortunately, the pandemic has had a significant impact on the agencies and natural archives and records administrations, the White House memo said. Uh, NARA required additional time to engage with the agencies and to conduct research within the larger collection to maximize the amount of information released, added the memo, which also said that the archivist uh, noted that making these decisions is a matter that requires a professional, scholarly, and orderly process, not decisions or releases made in haste. So it takes a scholarly a professional and orderly process uh, and don't release these 60 year old documents in haste we have to really take our time uh, looking at these over 60 years before we're able to release any of this kennedy was assassinated by lee harvey oswald on november 22nd 1963 in dallas oswald was arrested and charged with the killings of kennedy and dallas police officer jd tippett the 24 year old denied shooting kennedy claiming he was a patsy before he was shot dead soon after on national television by nightclub owner Jack Ruby. According to the uh, according to the President John F. Kennedy Assassination Records Collection Act of 1992, which was signed into law by former President George Herbert Walker Bush in an attempt to minimize conspiracy theories about Kennedy's death, uh, the Congress declared all government records concerning the assassination of President John F. Kennedy should be eventually disclosed to enable the public to become fully informed about the history surrounding the assassination. Congress also found at the time that most of the records related to the assassination of President John F. Kennedy are almost 30 years old, and only in the rarest cases is there any legitimate need for continued protection of such records. Tens of thousands of the JFK assassination documents with varying levels of redactions have already been released. Among the information that has not been made public are highly sensitive details about U.S. operations against Cuba in 1963, according to The Intercept. There are also unseen passages about surveillance techniques that detected Oswald's visits to the Soviet Union and Cuban embassies in Mexico City uh, weeks before Cass uh, Kennedy's assassination. Since the 1990s, more than 250,000 records concerning President Kennedy's assassination, more than 90% of uh, NARA's collection, have been released in public in full to the public. Uh, only a small fraction of the records contains any remaining redactions, the memo said. A lot of the information that has been made available to the public is not accessible online. Under the order Friday, Biden uh, instructed the archivist to issue a plan uh, for digitization of the records by December 15th. Okay, so we have to ask ourselves, after nearly 60 years, exactly what 
are they still trying to hide? I remember, oh, maybe about 10 years ago or so, they made this big deal. that They were finally releasing the classified JFK files. And it was a joke. Half of it was still blacked out and classified. If Lee Harvey Oswald was the lone gunman, what would they still need to keep classified after 60 years that would remain a threat to national security? They assassinated a sitting U.S. president in front of the world to play on a repeat loop for 60 years, yet claim it's for our own safety that we can't know the truth surrounding the event. I think it's all too obvious from the footage and eyewitness testimony and the immediate assassination of Oswald by Jack Ruby that Oswald was not the lone gunman and that several agencies were likely at play here, uh, from the Russians to the mafia to political powers within our own government. Look at 9-11. 20 years later, and there are still many classified documents that are stated to be for the sake of national security. If it really was Muslim extremists and jihadists with box cutters and Osama bin Laden was the mastermind, then what is there to hide about 9-11 that 20 years later is still being kept a secret for our own safety? And just like with the origins of COVID-19, now experts are saying we'll probably never know the origins of COVID-19. It's funny how all these things are noted as being for the sake of national security. Yet all these things are doing, uh, keeping classified does, is to hide and protect the guilty and either cover their asses of the compliant or the complicit, or at the very least, to cover incompetence coming from top levels of government. The past 100 years has been nothing but a series of bigger and bigger lies and cover-ups and more and more media manipulation and censorship tactics in the 21st century as a means for media manipulation, psychological operations. It becomes more prevalent, all for the supposed sake of public safety and national security. Scam after scam after scam and hoax after hoax, all in the name of doing it for our own good. And I'm not a big uh, Bob Dylan fan, uh, but if you ever get a chance, if you haven't already, uh, go back and listen to a song he released last year uh, that's a 17-minute epic spoken word instrumental piece entitled Murder Most Foul. That's a very well-put-together artistic interpretation of the graphic murder and assassination of an American president as it played out live on every television set across the planet. If you haven't yet, go listen to Murder Most Foul a couple of times and absorb the message there. And while you're at it, go get the the books uh, Government by Gunplay by Sid Blumenthal and Crossfire by author Jim Mars. If there ever was a conspiracy and a mass uh, evidence of a cover-up, the murder of John F. Kennedy is surely that conspiracy. Well, hot damn, folks. I think I actually managed to make an episode that was under an hour. Can't believe it. I guess that about does it for today's episode. Uh, What are your thoughts on everything going on with COVID right now? What are your thoughts on the one world religion church and the continued cover-up of the JFK assassination? I implore you to drop me a line, say hello on social media, hit me up at mentalpop.space, click the microphone icon, and leave me a 90-second voice message, because I'd love to hear from you and play it on a future episode. If you want to be a guest on this show, or if you have uh, guest or topic suggestions, if you're a band or musician would like to be featured on this podcast, hit me up at mentalpop.space, or shoot me an email at mad247 at weirdness.com. Again, my, my email is mad, the number is 247 at weirdness.com. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you're having, or that you had, 
a fun and safe Halloween. And unfortunately, it's already over. My oh my, this year has actually gone by pretty fast. 2020 dragged ass. Seemed like 2020 was never going to end. And now here we are. The last day of October. Halloween day. It's very sad. Once we get past Halloween, I'm just ready for spring, to be honest with you. Not much for Christmas, Thanksgiving, New Year's. Just, uh, you know, get us get us to a march. That's that's where I'm aiming. So I'm done with this year is what I'm trying to tell you. Once Halloween's over, good night, Irene. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you're having a safe Halloween. I'll be back next week, uh, maybe two weeks, I'm not sure yet. It's an all-new episode of Mental Pop for all those millions of listeners out there. So until next time, peace profound.
Hello, friends and enemies and strangers and neighbors across all of time, space, frequencies, and dimensions to the latest episode of the Mental Pop Podcast brought to you by Primordial Productions. My name is Matt, and I'll be your host today. And good golly, Miss Molly, it's been a long time uh, since the last episode of this podcast. Uh, The last episode was actually for Valentine's Day, and this is the 4th of July weekend, uh, Independence Day Bonanza. So you can do the math there on how long it's been. Uh, It's been quite a while uh, since we last chatted, and there are uh, many reasons for that. Um, There's been a whole, whole lot of news uh, that we didn't get to cover here over the past several months. Uh, So maybe we'll get into a little bit of that today. Um, Maybe we won't. I don't really have a theme or a format for today's episode, um, so we're just going to see what happens here. Felt like I had to put out a new episode. It's been too damn long. But first up, some big and exciting news. Uh, The Mental Pop Podcast has gotten itself a new producer for the program uh, who will be helping uh, with some of the -the behind-the-scenes tasks uh, that come along with putting these episodes together. She'll even drop by and say hello from time to time. And that is with none other than Alberta G. Rhythm. Now, Alberta is in the studio today, and she's a little bit shy, uh, but I've talked her into introducing herself. So, say, uh, Alberta, uh, how how are you doing today? Are you excited to be the new producer here at the Mental Pop Podcast. Why, thank you, Roberta. I can already tell we're going to have a lot of fun and can't wait to work with you on future episodes. So, anywho, uh, what else has been going on out there? Before we get into any uh, news of the day or some notable items over the past couple months uh, which have transpired since the last episode, uh, let me say that one of the reasons this podcast has been so scarce as of late is because I've again, uh, I've again taken up a daily 100-word writing challenge uh, that I first began back in 2019. And back then in 2019, I wrote 100 short stories uh, over a couple-month period, uh, consisting of exactly 100 words. Uh, so it's 100 100-word short stories. And I've again decided to take up the challenge now with the goal of 365 short stories of 100 words each. And as we speak, I'm on about short story, oh, 215, I think. 215 of 365. Now, it might seem like it would be easy to write a 100-word short story, but that isn't always the case. And it's especially not easy uh, taking up the challenge of not only doing it once or twice or 10 times, but 365 damn times. So, yeah, that's been kind of keeping me a little bit busy over the past couple months. And it's one of the reasons I haven't been putting out this podcast as regularly as I'd like to. Uh, It's also another reason I I haven't been blogging as much, uh, writing for the blog uh, lately, because I've been writing this uh, 100-word, 365-story challenge almost every day. Uh, but I do want to get back into the blog and uh, making some essays and articles that I had planned. Uh, but once again, I got the bug on the short stories, and I kind of devoted myself to that over the past few months. It's going to take me probably another six months to complete. Maybe not that long. Four to six months. Just tiny little bite-sized tales of micro-flash fiction and one-minute read penny dreadfuls. Secondarily, or perhaps primarily, uh, another reason that this podcast hasn't been around lately is because I got a new, new job uh, that I've had for the past four or five months at a really cool technology recycling center uh, where I've kind of got a bit of an administrative role there among other daily functions. Uh, So it's a cool job. I really dig it. And uh, all the people are mostly cool. 
Um, so I've just been getting adjusted to a new work environment and learning some new things and taking up new tasks. Um, five days a week, 40-hour week job, you know. Takes up a lot of time, uh, so it's hard to put out a podcast uh, when you want to. So that's another reason Ye Ol' Mental Pop Podcast hasn't been around too much lately. Oh, yeah, and as Alberta was saying, uh, there's also just a little fact that nobody really listens or actually gives a fuck about the podcast. So it's hard to want to put a podcast out when, like, five to ten people listen to it over a month period. Um, but, hey, I try not to let that get to me and just pretend that I'm performing a public service here and that maybe, just maybe, one day, all of this work and effort will pay off. And if not, hey, at least I can say I did it. And hey, yes, that's right. It's the July 4th weekend for this episode, Independence Day. And that brings to mind something I wanted to talk about today. And that's with something we can't avoid for this holiday. And that is all the goddamn fireworks. Now, I like fireworks. And I've got nothing against symbolically celebrating our freedoms as Americans with shooting off some sky flowers. It's a tradition. Uh, But for the love of God, when did July 4th celebrations last from Flag Day on June 14th to Labor Day on August 5th? Do we really need almost 60 days of fireworks and uh, smoke pollution when temperatures are already in the upper 90s? Anyway, it's a bit ironic uh, that while we are celebrating our independence and freedoms as Americans, we primarily have China to thank for that. Every year, uh, fireworks displays uh, form an integral part of Fourth of July celebrations, and 40% of Americans are aiming to attend such events uh, at any given year according to the National Retail Federation. The fireworks industry is big business, with consumption and revenue levels rising steadily since the turn of the century. American Pyrotechnics Association data shows that back in the year 2000, Americans consumed 152.2 million pounds of fireworks, and that grew um, to 277.5 million pounds uh, by 2018. It's pretty lucrative, too. And last year, consumer fireworks revenue in the U.S. came close to $1 billion. So where do all those fireworks come from? Why, thank you very much for asking. According to a 2019 report from Forbes, China accounts for 90% of all July 4th firework imports at over $325 million in revenue for China. Yes, China, who is credited as inventing fireworks with firecrackers all the way back in 200 B.C., over 2,000 years ago, uh, is still today the leading manufacturer and importer of fireworks across the globe. And we're just talking about uh, July 4th here and only the United States. Uh, So think about that. China exports over $325 million in fireworks to the United States just for use in July 4th celebrations. That's not including the global market and New Year's Eve celebrations and all other events and holidays where fireworks may be in use. It's safe to say that globally, fireworks is at least a billion-dollar business industry for China on an annual basis, if not much higher. On an interesting side note, legend has it that Captain John Smith set off the first fireworks display in the American colonies in Jamestown, Virginia in 1608, and that fireworks were in use uh, the very first Fourth of July celebrations in 1776. Uh, So this tradition goes back to the very beginning of July 4th holiday. And um, somewhat unexpectedly, or maybe it's not unexpectedly, is that uh, Israel is the next in line for U.S. imports of fireworks at nearly $10 million for July 4th celebrations. 
And they're the two largest players on the global stage as well for fireworks manufacturing and consumption. Um, so this isn't a rant against China anyway, or Israel. And I hope everyone has a safe and awesome July 4th celebration with their friends and family. But as we celebrate our independence, it's rather ironic that China and Israel make up for damn near 95% of all the fireworks that we'll be celebrating with this year and every year. And not to be cynical, uh, but I can't help but to think of the George A. Romero movie Land of the Dead from 2005, where fireworks are used to mesmerize the zombies and keep their attention so they won't attack uh, the humans. But what happens at the end of that film? It stops working. The sky flowers stop hypnotizing and distracting the zombies, and then they go on to destroy the elite compound within the golden triangle of Fiddler's Green, where all of the rich and wealthy snobs have walled themselves off and believe they are safe from the zombie invasion. But at the end of the day, everybody go out and enjoy your July 4th celebrations. Celebrate your freedoms. You still have the ones that you still have. And have a good time with your family and friends. Just wanted to uh, maybe give you all a little something to think about this holiday. (sighs) What's up next? Uh, Now would be a good time to take it over to our new producer, Alberta. Alberta! Is there any important news or information you'd like to talk uh, about for today's episode for our audience of five people who might be listening across all of time, space, and dimension? Alberta? Alberta, are you okay? That was a very funny joke, and we thank you for sharing, but there's uh, smoke coming out of your ears, and a motor oil is leaking from your nose. Is there anything I can do for you? to, uh, Alberta, are you Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry, but uh, we're going to need to take a little break here uh, so that Alberta can compose herself. Uh, For those who don't know, uh, Alberta G Rhythm is an artificial intelligence program that I invented to help me with these mental pop podcasts. And I still haven't worked out all the bugs with her programming. So uh, sometimes let's just say I need to adjust some circuits and tweak the motherboard and check the battery level of her power supply. Uh, So I apologize, folks, but we're experiencing some technical difficulties here. Please stand by. Uh, We'll be right back with the Mental Pot Podcast. Alberta, your tits are on fire. We're experiencing technical difficulties. Please stand by. This is a test. This station is conducting a test of the emergency broadcasting system. This is only a test. This is a test of the emergency broadcasting system. The broadcasters of your area, in voluntary cooperation with federal, state, and local authorities, have developed this system to keep you informed in the event of an emergency. If this had been an actual emergency, the attention signal you have just heard would have been followed by official information, news, or instructions. This station serves the Northeast Illinois area. This concludes this test of the emergency broadcast system.
Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. I apologize for that delay and those difficulties we were experiencing. Um, you'll be happy to know everything is okay, and uh, Alberta is recovering. Uh, so just what the hell has been going on since the last episode of this podcast? It turns out a whole fucking lot. War in the Ukraine, Biden calls for a new world order, uh, Biden fell off a bicycle recently, uh, that was kind of funny, uh, the so-called don't say gay bill in Florida, uh, several uh, sad and unfortunate mass shootings, including an elementary school, uh, of course that brought talk of gun control again, uh, and abortion laws are always being expressed, of course, um, Anthony Fauci got COVID, uh, monkeypox is being hyped up and is targeting gay people, primarily, uh, particularly men. Uh, and Vladimir Putin is being blamed on surging U.S. inflation and high gas prices. I don't know, just kind of all a bunch of bullshit, isn't it? My oh my, where to even begin since we last chatted? It's been uh, about four months, I think, almost. So let me try to catch up a little bit here. First off, unfortunately, uh, we're going to do a, a recap on COVID news. And why, yes, it's just everyone's absolute favorite topic, isn't it? And the biggest topic of the past two-plus years. Uh, but let me give a little update for those keeping score. And hopefully, this hopefully will be the last episode we ever have to talk about COVID. Uh, cloth masks, uh, cloth masks uh, didn't work uh, at all. Uh, nor do masks in general really stop the spread of COVID. And according to Johns Hopkins University, social distancing had absolutely uh, no impact on stopping COVID. And closures and lockdowns only stop the spread of COVID by something like 0.03% or some other negligible factor, which barely even matters. So a report out of Johns Hopkins University stated that social distancing, cloth masks, and lockdowns had a virtually no impact on uh, COVID infection rates. So that was a big fucking bust. It's been stated that previous infection and natural immunity is about 16 times more effective than vaccines. These are the experts saying this now. This is what many of us were saying uh, well, fucking a year and a half ago when we're blocked and banned and flagged and had our pages deleted for saying information that's now uh, considered to be facts by the experts. Uh, we know that the most heavily hospitalized uh, from the Omicron variant were the fully vaccinated. 
at something like 70% of those hospitalized for the Omicron variant were already vaccinated. Likewise, the CDC has admitted that about 70% of all COVID deaths occurred with people who had up to fo- four, fo- up to four comorbidities uh, were already very ill, and most of them over the age of 65. And now we have a fourth booster shot available. They're talking about another one uh, specifically uh, for the Omicron variant, of which Israel uh, started doing this months ago and says the fourth dose isn't very effective and lasts for a very short period of time. Also, the term dying with COVID has now come into fashion by the mainstream and so-called experts. As several mainstream news articles from the past several weeks are hyping up the tragedy of six million people have died with COVID. And they have to say die with COVID because the vast majority of deaths came from those with up to four comorbidities who are already elderly and make up the highest rate of annual deaths every year, not just during a pandemic season, long before COVID hit the scene. Uh, And of course, uh, some news organizations such as CBS, which stands for Complete Bullshit, are trying to peddle the possibility from a recent study that states that COVID deaths are actually three times higher than what has been reported, uh, that it's been COVID has been downplayed, if you can believe that. Uh, this despite the fact, for all intents and purposes, it looks more like it's about one-third as high as reported. And that's the experts for you. It's either one-third the current death statistic or it's three times higher. We don't really fucking know. Pfizer has also recently released early data, uh, this is from several months ago now, on vaccine side effects and noted something like nine pages packed full of thousands upon thousands of possible negative side effects caused by their vaccines. This is the same information they originally wanted to not release and keep hidden for 70 years. Yes, that's right. Pfizer wanted to take seven decades before releasing these nine pages consisting of thousands of adverse side effects linked to their vaccine. And the funny thing about this, uh, that report and these documents have been out for several months now, and there has been no fact check. There has been no social media fact checker flagging regarding these nine pages of documents, nor the fact that Pfizer originally tried to keep this information under wraps for 70 years. It really says something when even the fact checkers have not been able to label this as misleading or partly false information. Likewise, tied with recent vaccinations, we have a highly suspicious amount of athletes and young people and even celebrities who've reported heart and breathing problems, arrhythmia, even outright died on the field while playing sports. Justin freaking Bieber has partial facial paralysis while his wife recently had a blood clot in her brain, both of which are noted side effects of COVID vaccines. Not only this, but the CDC is now actually saying the science is gray. It was two years of virtuous follow the science and trust the science and obey the science, with Fauci being like the word of God. And now the director of the CDC is saying that science is gray and they have no idea uh, that a new variant would emerge that was vaccine resistant, such as Omicron. The past few months have given us backpedaling upon backpedaling and what damn near sounds like apologist behavior. And it's obvious and everyone noticed. And just like magic, within a few days or a week, the narrative went from the end of COVID mask mandates and vaccine passports to World War III with Russia and the Ukraine and France and NATO and Putin all talking about nuclear war, using nuclear weapons if they have to. While Biden insinuates that World War III could be on the horizon and says that Russia is committing genocide. They keep acting like Russia has been using chemical weapons, uh, which brings to mind the false claims uh, into um, 
right after their 9-11, the events of 9-11, uh, that uh, Iraq had weapons of mass destruction, which turned out to not be true, of course. Now they're trying to say that Russia is being uh, using banned chemical weapons, and that could be a pretext for an all-out war. And I'm not even going to get into Russia and Ukraine today's episode and how this plays uh, out with the United States and China and Europe and Israel and others, because uh, this isn't necessarily a political podcast, though we do talk about politics here. And I'm not an expert in regards to the Ukraine um, or politics, because I think most of it is bullshit. Uh, but we couldn't ignore the fact that immediately, as the mainstream uh, COVID narrative begins to die down, the political theater of World War III and Russia comes back into play, dusting off that crusty old Cold War paranoia narrative favorite. One thing I will say about the situation with Russia and the Ukraine is that the so-called conspiracy is definitely there. There are a dozen directions we could go uh, into today talking about Ukraine and the New World Order uh, from possible U.S.-funded biolabs, the mass uh, human trafficking in the Ukraine, money laundering and other corruptions, including connections with Hunter Biden and his infamous laptop. But again, I'm not going to pretend to know all the ins and outs of everything, but we can connect some dots here, paint a bigger picture. Likewise, I just find this political theater to be boring as shit, despite the threats of nuclear holocaust fear-mongering. We now also know that all of the Russia, Russia, Russia talk over the past seven or eight years was all based on a, manipul a manipulative scheme from Hillary Clinton, who hired lawyers to wiretap Donald Trump in order to try to find evidence that he was tied to Russia. Another news story I read the other day had the headline, U.S. intelligence agencies warn that Putin might again try to tamper with U.S. elections. Yes, Putin is not only supposedly responsible for high gas prices and inflation in the U.S., but also election fraud, backing Donald Trump for president, using chemical weapons, and genocide. And all I can say is that I feel for the average people and civilians in the Ukraine as well as Russia who are experiencing the horrors of this. Um... They're the only ones who are really suffering any ramifications from all this bullshit. War is a massacre of people uh, who don't know each other for the profit of people who know each other but don't massacre each other. The New World Order, One World Government, a cashless society, the Great Reset, segregation by vaccine status, vaccine passports, social engineering by mainstream media and corporate sponsors, a scientific dictatorship and a medical mafia and social media censorship. I'm sorry, but to anyone who's still saying this is all just a crazy conspiracy theory, you are an ignorant fool. And hopefully, just hopefully, that's the last time I'll ever have to talk about COVID on this podcast ever again. And thank God, because now it's time to push monkeypox vaccines. There's just too much to try and cover uh, since the last episode of this broadcast. I'm not even going to try to attempt it. I just want to give a shout out to those people who not only stood up and spoke out through two years of COVID lockdowns and fear mongering, uh, but are also continuing to and will continue to stand up and speak out and not be afraid to speak their minds, do their own research, have their own questions and thoughts about what's happening in the world today. Too many people are just completely plugged into the system. And it's only going to get worse for the next generation that comes along with an even bigger and broader platform of media and social media and information control, censorship, and social engineering. And y'all, I'm going to keep today's episode relatively short. Uh, I just felt I needed to come back and try to get back into the swing of putting these damn uh, things out every few weeks. I created like 20 episodes of this podcast over exactly a 12-month period. So maybe it was good to take a little breather. 
Uh, some of those episodes were nearly two hours in length. Uh, I did a horror episode uh, that was cut up into three or four parts. It was like six or seven freaking hours. You can find all these previous episodes as well as my blog at www.mentalpop.space. I promise I will be more uh, regularly updating both the blog as well as these podcasts as I get a little bit better handle on the direction uh, that I want to take things and trying to grow this audience. Likewise, you can find me at MentalPop31 on Facebook or our private group Conspiracat on Facebook, as well as the website for all my original art uh, that is available for purchase at www.geneticmemory.online. If you have show suggestions, would like to be featured as a guest, or if you are a band or musician who would like to be uh, featured, have their music featured here, please feel free to go to me through uh, any of the websites and social media pages I just mentioned, or my email address is mad, the number's 247 at weirdness.com. Mad247 at weirdness.com. Alberta, uh, would you like to leave the listeners with anything today as we close out this program? Ah, shit. Uh, She's starting to smoke again. But yes, until next time, thank you for listening, wherever you uh, might be across all of time and space. We'll be back again soon with an all-new episode of Mental Pop. Happy July 4th and peace profound. Ugh, these fucking people. Am I right? What's up with all these goddamn, inconsiderate, self-absorbed dummies? Everywhere you go, at least three total dumbasses and one complete asshole. Jerks and downright fuckfaces. Blithering idiots. Ninnies and nincompoops. Clowns. Fools. Ignoramuses. Dimbulbs. Pea brains and inbreds. Total cunts. Terrible pieces of shit around every corner. Irredeemable garbage and excrement to be flushed. Egotistical narcissists and deranged sociopaths. Lowest common denominator herd. Devolved gene pool. That's why this November you should vote for me, Jeffrey Stevens to reinstate eugenics laws and cultivate genetic superiority. I'm Jeffrey Stevens, and I approve this message.